You are listening to a sermon by John Kong, pastor of Christian education at New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A.com. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas this past week. It's good to see all of you here this morning, and also a big welcome to those of you who are watching online, wherever you are. Um, If there are any newcomers here today, uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, um, and I want to echo Pastor James's welcome to you all this morning. And also, there's, if, if you're new here, there's a welcome booth um, back here, um, and I'll be there after the service. Um, love to say hi to you, get to know you, and answer any questions you might have uh, about our church. So Pastor Ted is out this morning, and so it's my privilege to share God's word with you all today. And as I was reflecting on what to share, what to preach on, on this last Sunday of 2020, I kept getting drawn back into the Psalms. I kept getting drawn back into the Psalms because the Psalms are so encouraging, the Psalms are so comforting, but also the Psalms teach us how we are to express our emotions to God in all the different circumstances of life. I'm sure it's pretty safe to say that we have experienced a lot of different emotions this year. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to our text today, Psalm 57. Um, If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in the bulletin where the text is printed for you. Um, And if I could ask those of you who are able to please stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm 57. Uh, To the choir master, according to do not destroy, a miktam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Be with us today as we hear your word preached to us. Comfort us, encourage us, and remind us the goodness of your truth as we look to close out a difficult year. May you be exalted and glorified in the words that I speak and the thoughts that we think together here this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, I have the privilege on Wednesday nights to lead our youth group. And every Wednesday night um, in the evening before I lead a devotion, I like to start off with a question to my youth, kind of to like set the scene, get their imaginations running. And so this morning, I'd also like to pose a question to you. As you reflect on this past year, as you reflect on everything that has happened to you and everything that has gone on around you, how would you describe what this year has been like? I'm sure that there are a lot of thoughts that maybe come to your mind. I'm sure maybe a lot of colorful adjectives come to your mind. Maybe you are angry at 2020. Maybe you are disgusted at 2020. Some of you may describe this year as a depressing year, a chaotic year, a year of heartbreak, of broken dreams, a year that was lost. One of the best summaries of 2020 that I read was from a nine-year-old. A nine-year-old, he described this past year like looking both ways before crossing the street and then getting hit by a submarine. (laughs) I thought that was both humorous and insightful. That's how crazy this past year has been. As I was reflecting on how I would describe this past year, one word kept coming up in my mind, and that word was exhausting. It's like one crazy thing happened after another. Like, like multiple submarines crashed into your driveway. We are all so tired. We are so frustrated. Some of us maybe even a little bit delirious. It's like a nightmare that won't end. I'm sure all of us are just so, so, so exhausted. Well, our text today, Psalm 57, was written by David after he had experienced probably his year of 2020. If we look at some of the Psalms leading up to Psalm 57, we can understand a little bit of the year David had went through as he was writing this Psalm. In Psalm 52, just a couple songs before, Psalm 52, David reflects on how he was betrayed by a man named Doeg the Edomite. He rat, Doeg ratted him out to Saul, telling Saul that there was a priest named Ahimelech who helped hide David. And David later found out that Saul killed Ahimelech, and not only killed Ahimelech, but killed 84 other priestly families for helping David. Can you imagine what David felt? The guilt, the shame, the anger, the helplessness. And then two more Psalms later, Psalm 54, David is now reflecting on how he was betrayed by the Ziphites, who were his countrymen, who should have protected him, and yet they also, not once, but twice, also betrayed him and ratted him out to Saul. 
We see that in 1 Samuel 23 and 26. Right? Think of the heartbreak David must have felt, the frustration, how indignant he might have been. And then Psalm 56, David is reflecting on his desperate plight in the Philistine city of Gath. He flees to an enemy city alone, desperate, afraid, because he had to escape Saul. And yet while he was there, he had to act like he was a lunatic so that the Philistines wouldn't capture him. And that leads us to our psalm today, Psalm 57, where David wrote this psalm reflecting on his time when he was hiding in a cave in the wilderness. Hiding in a cave because there was nowhere else to go. Hiding in a cave because everywhere else was full of lies and betrayal and deception hiding in a cave because it was the only place he could go to save his life from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. You'd think that after going through a year like that, David would also be exhausted. It was like living a nightmare for him that wouldn't come to an end. And we would totally understand if in his psalm, as he's reflecting on this, he would write about things like depression or anxiety or loneliness or fear. And yet when we read Psalm 57, we see instead David feeling full of hope, full of peace, and even of joy. Right, those are probably some of the last things we would describe 2020 as we reflect on this past year. And yet that's what David felt as he was reflecting on his experience of his 2020. And so my prayer this morning on this last Sunday of this exhausting year that we have just gone through, my prayer is that through this psalm, you will both see and experience hope, peace, and even joy. And I want to use this psalm to show that because it is in God in whom our souls take refuge, even now we can experience hope, peace, and joy, even when the storms of destruction swirl around us. Because it is in God in whom our soul takes refuge, we can experience hope, peace, and joy. And that's also our outline for today. We're gonna to look at hope, we're gonna look at peace, and we're gonna look at joy, and how those can be true for us as we reflect on this past year. All right, so first, hope. David doesn't use the word hope here, but that feeling of hope permeates throughout this entire psalm. Right, even in the first verse, we see that David has hope when he cries out to the Lord when he cries out to the Lord to be merciful to him, to be gracious to him. He has hope that God will be merciful to him. And so he cries out to God. Right? We don't cry out to things when we have no hope in them. Right? I'm sure you don't cry out to your pet hoping for a Christmas present. Right? That, that just wouldn't happen. Right? We cry out we ask for, we, we request, we wish for things because we hope that the person we ask for, we hope that they can provide those things for us. Right? If you're a teenager, 
right? Maybe you write a letter to someone that you like and you profess your affection for them, hoping that they like you back. I guess for most of you teenagers now, you, you slide into people's DMs instead of writing a letter, but same thing, right? You message them. Some of you, maybe you call your doctor and you ask for a diagnosis because you're hoping that your doctor can tell you why you're feeling sick. Maybe you write to your government by hoping that they will be wise and just in how they govern our society. Right? You cry out to things because you have hope in them. Uh, I remember when I was small, when I was younger, and I would, get, I, would be in, I would get in trouble because I did something wrong. But before mom and dad would punish me, I would cry out to mom and dad. I would ask them for forgiveness, and I'd plead for mercy, hoping that they would also be lenient to me. Now, usually that didn't happen. I still got a whooping but that didn't stop me from trying. But so we see that David has hope in God, right? Because he cries out to him. But David's hope is not a wishy-washy hope. It's not a wishful thinking hope, but it's a confident hope. David's hope is not like the ones I was describing with hoping that my parents would be lenient or hoping that our government will be just, right? Because we're not sure. But David was sure. He's confident in his request for God's mercy. David's hope is a firm and unwavering hope. But why? Why? Why can David be so confident that God will be merciful to him? Because God is his refuge. God, the Most High, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he is David's refuge. David's refuge isn't in his family, isn't in his friends, it isn't in his own abilities. When David became king of Israel later, his refuge wasn't in his kingdom or in his power or in his riches. No, David's refuge is in God. He has confidence that God will protect him because God is his refuge. Now this theme of God being our refuge is all throughout the Psalms. In Psalm 18, David says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer in whom I take refuge. In Psalm 73, the psalmist says, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. David knows that nothing else can protect him from all the challenges that life throws at him. Only in God can he find shelter and protection. Because God is his refuge, he can have this confident hope that God's mercy and grace will be poured out on him. Well, what have you made your refuge? What are you putting your hope in? Are you trying to find refuge in your finances, in your family, in your friends? Are you putting your hope in the vaccine or in a bailout package? I think a lot of us are so tempted, like Pastor James said this morning, to be rid of 2020, that we're putting our hope in 2021. But as James said, and as one of my wise youth leaders reminded me, 
Our hope is not in 2021. I think if this past year has taught us anything, one clear lesson is that our refuge is not in our government, is not in medicine, is not in media, is not in our bank accounts. It's not in anything that this world can offer. Right, I'm here to tell you that if you're putting your hope in 2021, you are going to be sorely disappointed. I have no idea what, the cha- what challenges the new year will bring, but I can guarantee that the new year cannot be a refuge for you. Only God can. Our hope, our ultimate hope, can only be in him. So God is who we need to take refuge in. And that gives us hope. It gives us a confident, it gives us an unwavering hope. But another thing about this hope is that this hope not only looks to the future, but it is also a very present hope. In Psalm 46, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I think a lot of times when we think about hope, we're thinking about the future. We're thinking about looking forward for our hope. And yes, that's true and that's good, right? We are, we should be a people of hope looking to the future. But we are also a people that has to deal with the present. We have to deal with the present and our hope doesn't just come in the future but our hope helps us in our present right now. I look at verse two. Look at what David says in verse two when he cries out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. When you read that at first, you might think about the future of God fulfilling his purpose, right? Where God will save his people, where God will trample his enemies, where God will be making all things new. And yes, it does mean all of those things, but it means even more than that. God will not only fulfill his purpose for you in the future, but he is fulfilling his purpose for you right now. Right now, in this chaotic, in this miserable, in this exhausting 2020, he is fulfilling his purpose for us. His purpose is not just the future. His purpose is also the present. And so God being our refuge not only allows us to look forward with hope, but allows us to look at our present situation also with hope. Right? It gives us the sense that no matter what I'm going through, no matter how difficult 2020 was and currently still is, God has a purpose for it. Right? God is working out his purposes now. He is with you now. God is your refuge now. There's a purpose for every part of our lives, right? There's a purpose why 2020 happened the way it did. Now, we may not be able to see it clearly, and we may not even like it, but as Christians, we have this hope that there is a reason for it, that it didn't just happen by accident, Right? Maybe God is using 2020 to prepare us for 2021. 
Maybe God is using 2020 to help us be more creative in how we reach our neighbors and how we share the gospel and how we care for one another. Right, whatever the case may be, God as our refuge gives us hope even in the present. And that is particularly comforting during times of suffering and difficulty like this past year. So God, God as our refuge gives us a confident hope. Right? He also gives us a present hope. And that's because this hope is grounded in the past. Right? In verse 3, what does David say? He says, He will send from heaven and save me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. And those words were true for David. Right? God did save David from Saul. He did save David from harm. He did pour out his faithfulness to David. And yet what David didn't know was that about a thousand years later, God truly, he truly did send from heaven his steadfast love and his faithfulness in the form of a baby and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we all just celebrated this past week? Right? We just celebrated Christmas, which was celebrating what God did for us in sending us his son. Our hope is grounded in that fact. Grounded in the fact that God sent his son to save us from our sins. And that's why our hope can be so confident Right? If, if I'm hoping for my friend to give me a Christmas gift, my hope could be shaky, right? Because I'm not sure if my friend is actually going to get me a Christmas gift. But if my friend wrapped a Christmas gift and put it under my Christmas tree, then my hope would be pretty secure. It would be unwavering because the gift has already been, been bought. He's, it has already happened, well, God has already sent us his gift, Jesus, right? the epitome of God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. And God sent him for you. Right? God sent Jesus to be your refuge, for you to hide under the shadow of his wings. Right? God, sends Je God sent Jesus from heaven to save and to save you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, as we end this year and as we move on to, this, to the next, remember this hope that you have, this confident and present hope that is grounded in the past, that is grounded in Christmas, that is grounded in God's steadfast love and faithfulness to you in Christ Jesus. And that leads me to my second point, peace. Right? Having this confident hope should give us peace. David also doesn't use the word peace in his psalm, but we can, also, we can see that as David talks about hope, he also comes to have peace. Uh, again, remember the situation David is in. Right? He's hiding in a cave. He's hiding from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. And before David flees to the wilderness, he meets up with his friend Jonathan, who is Saul's son. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, it tells us, David tells Jonathan 
There is but a step between me and death. David is running for his life. The last thing on his mind probably would be peace. In verse two of this Psalm, David describes storm, storms of destruction surrounding him. In verse four, he, he describes the enemies that he's up against. He describes lions, fiery beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, who t- whose tongues are sharp swords. Right, that doesn't seem to be describing a very peaceful situation. And so how can, how can we say, how can I say that David has peace? Well, look at verse seven. After describing all the precarious situations that he is in, right, instead of being angry, instead of being agitated, instead of being fearful, what does David say? He says his heart is steadfast. That sounds like a man who is at peace. Right? You don't say your heart is steadfast if you're, if you're overwhelmed, if you're distraught. But someone who has peace, their heart is steadfast. But that does raise the question of how David can be at peace when all these storms of destruction are swirling around him. How can he be at peace when there is but a step between him and death? Well, the reason David can be at peace is the same reason David has hope because David's soul has taken refuge in God. And that's what a refuge ultimately is, isn't it? A refuge is a place of safety. A refuge is a place of peace. What David experienced during all his trials was that there is no true safety or peace in this world except in God himself. When David was writing this psalm, he was particularly reflecting about his time hiding in a cave, hiding in a cave from Saul. And a cave is a kind of refuge, right? It's it's a kind of safe place. It's a safe place that David was able to hide in. But it wasn't permanent, right? David had to hide not just in that one cave. He had to hide in multiple caves from Saul. He had to hide in multiple caves He had to hide in hills in the wilderness. He had to hide in enemy territory and Philistine country to escape Saul. The only true refuge where he could be safe, where David could be at peace, the only place where his heart could be steadfast was when he took refuge in God, not in a temporary cave. Well, what about you? Do you have peace right now? Amidst this difficult year, can you say, Lord, my heart is steadfast? Or is your heart instead filled with irritation, with resentment, with tension, with bitterness? If you don't have peace, maybe now is is a good time to reflect on why and what temporary refuge you may have put your soul in that isn't giving you peace. Uh, I remember back in college when I first learned how to ski. 
a, a friend and I, we went to Mammoth. So I first learned to ski in Mammoth. And, um, <laughs> and, and when we were skiing in Mammoth, uh, I was taking some beginner lessons at the, you know, at the Bunny Slopes area. Um, and in the morning, I was taking those lessons and I was, I was picking it up pretty quickly and I was doing pretty well. And I was, I was like, oh, I'm, I was having fun. I was like, this, is, this isn't too hard. And after the lessons, after lunch, I, I skied with my friend on the green beginner slopes um, at, at Mammoth. And I, I was going pretty fast, and, but I was doing well. I, wasn't, I, didn't, I never fell down once. I was starting to be pretty confident. And I was like, oh, I'm, skiing is, skiing is not, not bad. It's not hard. I'm a, I'm a natural. I'm a natural at this. And then my friend told me, hey, John, for the rest of the, let's just ski, all the, let's just ski the greens. Um, um, this is your first time ever skiing, so let's not, let's not try anything crazy. In my head, I'm like, what? Come on, do you see how I'm doing right now? Come on, I can, let's do a blue. Let's go do an intermediate blue run. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. So it was near the end of the afternoon. The, the, you know, it was about to close. I really wanted to do a blue run. And so I let my friend go first. And then instead of following him, I turned really quickly, got on another chairlift that took me up to a blue run. And I remember as I was sitting on that chairlift, it was starting to snow. It was starting to snow pretty hard, so visibility was starting to be pretty bad. And then as I got to the top of the chairlift and I was looking down that blue run, I was thinking to myself, ooh, that's a lot steeper than those greens down there. But I was, I was a college student. I was pretty confident. I was like, I got this. You can, you can pizza your way down a blue run, right? And so... I started to go down, and sure enough, I couldn't control my speed. I couldn't really see in front of me. And then all of a sudden, bam, I hit the snow hard. And I tumbled and tumbled. I hit, I remember it hit my butt, and it was so painful. It wasn't very soft snow. And I was tumbling and tumbling. I lost my poles. I lost my skis. By the time I stopped, there was snow everywhere in my goggles, in my ski jacket everywhere. I was freezing. I was cold. I was hurt. I was nervous. I was trying to text my friend to come help me, but my cell phone was out of reception. It was bad. I was definitely not at peace at all. I remember when I was sitting on the, like, when I finally, like, sat up and was trying to figure out what I I was supposed to do, because I was not skiing down the rest of that run. I remember sitting, sitting down and I saw a little girl ski down that same run I had just tumbled halfway down. She had to be like six, max. She was like this tall. And she was skiing down that run backwards, right? And so she, uh, somehow she saw me, she did a quick 180, grabbed my poles, did an emergency stop right in front of me, handed me my poles and said, are you okay? I, I don't know what hurt more when she asked me that question, my butt or my ego. And I don't even rem- I don't think I even said anything to her. I just, I kind of waved her away. I was so embarrassed. Um, but as she skied down, continuing backwards, show off, as she was skiing back, I was thinking to myself, how can she be so confident? How can she be skiing so well and, and so, like without a care in the world, so at peace? And then I saw it. I couldn't see it before because of the snow, but then I saw just a couple feet behind was her mom skiing behind her. 
right, I realized that at least one of the reasons, right, besides her skill, at least one of the reasons why she was so at peace skiing was because she knew her mom was there to protect her, right? Her refuge was in her mom. She knew her mom was watching over her and keeping her safe. Well, in this past year, where it has been anything but peaceful, where have you tried to find peace? Where have you tried to find your refuge in? Is it in your own abilities and your own talents and your own resources? Right, that turned out terribly for me on the ski slopes. Or is your refuge in your heavenly parent, in your heavenly father? That little girl knew that her mom would keep her from harm. Do you know and do you trust in your heavenly father that he will protect you under his wings? So when our souls take refuge in God, we have peace. We have peace. And this peace is not a shaky peace. It's not a fleeting peace. But it is a, what I would describe, a committed peace. Right? When David says his heart is steadfast, that word steadfast has the idea of being stable, of being durable, of being lasting. Right? David is saying, Lord, I am committed to you. I am steadfast to you. I am at peace because I belong to you. Now, David could have said, and he probably maybe thought about it, he was probably tempted a lot of times during this year to think that God has forgotten me. My God has forgotten me. He, he anointed me to be king, but it's been so long and I'm being hunted down now. He's forgotten me. Why don't I just forget about God as well? Why don't I flee this country why don't I run away? Then Saul, Saul's not going to chase me to another country. Right? Forget God's promises to me. But David says, I will not. My heart is steadfast and committed. I belong to God. Right? No matter what comes my way, no matter what disaster or what destruction or devastation is before me, my heart is steadfast and I am at peace. There was a pastor once who, when he was preaching on this verse, he described this type of peace as having a fixed heart. He described it as having fixed hearts. And he challenged his congregation. He challenged his congregation when he, when he asked them, do Christians today really reflect David's words here in verse 7? Right? He, he asked, and this is his quote, do these words not rather make us burn with shame? When we think that David, who was weighed upon by distresses such as wrung this psalm out of him, should have poured out this resolve, when we who live in the sunlight and are flooded with blessings find it hard to echo with sincerity and truth. Fixed hearts are rare among Christians of this day. That sermon was preached over 75 years ago. And yet, I'm not sure if we've improved as Christians. Do you have a fixed heart? Do you have a peace that is committed and a heart that is steadfast because God is your refuge? 
I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, that as we close this chapter on 2020, to truly make God your refuge so that you can also say like David, my heart is steadfast. I have peace because I belong to God. So God as our refuge gives us peace and he gives us a committed peace at that. And that's because peace, our peace, just like our hope is grounded in the past. Right, look at verse four and six again, where David describes the trials and the sufferings that he is asking God to protect him from. Right, men with spears and arrows and sharp swords, men who set traps, who dig pits, who want to destroy him. God protected David from them. Well, God also protects us, but he ultimately, he did so ultimately by sending Jesus who suffered for us. Right? Jesus came to earth to suffer at the hands of the children of man. Jesus experienced the greatest storm of destruction on the cross so that you could have peace with God, so that you could find refuge in God. Right? Our refuge is under the shadow of Jesus' wing. Under his arms stretched out on the cross for you. Right? Jesus took the suffering and the destruction for you so that you might be saved. Right? In light of that truth, how can we not echo with David that no matter how difficult 2020 was, and no matter how challenging 2021 will be, my heart is steadfast. I will have peace because of what Jesus did for me. And this leads me to my last point, joy. And this will be a, a shorter one than the first two. We can see that the natural progression, the natural response that David has when he knows that he has hope and peace is joy. We see that especially in the latter half of Psalm 57. Right? In verse 7, he says, I will sing and make melody. In verse 9, he says, I will give thanks and I will sing praises to God. In verse 5 and 11, he says, he asked to have God be exalted for his glory to be over all the earth. That singing and praising and glorifying God all demonstrate David's joy in the Lord. Again, remember, he's not, David is not experiencing a wonderful time when he's writing this psalm. He's under immense pressure. He's under difficult trials, and yet this psalm exudes David's joy with his thanksgiving and praise. And David experiences all this joy in the Lord because, that's right, you guessed it, because he has taken refuge in God. It's even clearer in some of David's other psalms, like Psalm 5, where he says, Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. Do you have this kind of joy? Even though 2020 has, has been exhausting, can you still rejoice in the Lord and sing praises to him? Even if 2021 bring just as many challenges as this last year did, can you still give thanks to God to exalt and glorify him 
over all the earth. It's a challenge, I know. Joy may be the furthest thing from your mind when you reflect on 2020. But hopefully joy is not far from your mind today, right, as we just celebrated Christmas. If you were here for our Christmas celebration evening two Wednesdays ago, the youth put on an amazing Christmas play to remind us of where our true joy comes from. And we also often sing joy to the world in December during Christmas season because the Lord Jesus has come. Right? Because he came, because he lived the perfect life for you, because he suffered and died for you, and because he was raised from the dead for you, you can have joy no matter what dark storms come upon you this next year. And let me close with this. Um, if you can remember earlier this year, back in February, which I know seems like a lifetime ago, um, but back in February, we actually talked about joy. Pastor Ted was preaching through the fruit of the Spirit, and as he got to joy, he gave us his definition of joy. And I remember when I heard it, I was so encouraged. It was such a great definition, and I want to remind you of that, that definition of, again. Ted said, Christian joy is a settled conviction in your mind that comes from the Spirit through faith in Jesus, that no matter what happens to you, God's promises and purposes are coming to pass. God's will is being done perfectly for you so that God's glory and your good are guaranteed. I know Pastor Ted says he isn't a prophet, but if he only knew that the world would be turned upside down a month after he gave us that, that truth, right, what an important truth that was to share with us at the beginning of 2020. Well, I thought that that definition of joy is just as encouraging now, if not even more so, as we close this difficult year. And as we look forward to 2021, may you all experience the hope, peace, and joy that only Jesus provides as we continue to find our refuge in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our refuge, that we can hide under your wings and be protected. We praise you that because you are our refuge, that we can have hope, peace, and joy even when the world around us descends into chaos. Help us to remember these truths as we close 2020 and approach 2021. We don't know why you planned 2020 the way you did, and we don't know what new challenges 2021 will bring, but we trust in you that you are working all things for our good. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus, for sending him from heaven to save us, for his steadfast love and faithfulness to us. May you truly be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and may your glory be over all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to John Kong, pastor of Christian education at New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido, reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.